0: Hello and welcome to the Anfield Index for Writers podcast. I'm Tom Holmes and joining me is Leanne Prescott. Leanne, how are you?
1: Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Looking forward to a discussion on Liverpool after the most boring international break that I can remember. Um, I'm not a fan of international football, probably like the both of you. Um, so it's good to be talking about the Reds and to have Liverpool back at the weekend.
0: Yeah, funnily enough, we were saying the exact same thing on last week's pod that we were... um We were very itching to get going again. And joining myself and Leanne this week, we've got Henry Jackson, who's a long-time lurker, but a first time on the pod, I think. (laughs) Uh, We've we've tried to get you on quite a few times, Henry, it's just not come together, but it's great to finally have you on.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me on, mate. I must apologise for uh, ducking out on so many occasions. I think I might have come on once, but it's so long ago that I don't think it really counts. So, yeah, it's good to be on. (laughs)
0: Yeah, it's good to have you on and we are going to talk about Jordan Henderson. Um, I mean, I think I think there's been a lot of talk about Henderson over the last few weeks and I've spoken about him quite a lot. But I think, Henry, you've written a really, really interesting and different article that's offered something a bit, a bit different on the discussion. So it's always good to get different viewpoints on these sorts of things. So why don't you just kick off by telling us a little bit about your article and your thoughts on Henderson in general and then we can get into the discussion.
2: Yeah, well, basically, I mean, I think everyone knows Henderson's probably one of the most divisive players I think that Liverpool have had. Certainly, in my lifetime, really, I can remember watching watching them play. That he just there seem to be legions of fans who either admire him greatly or think he's dreadful around that sort of ballpark. So, basically, I thought I realised that basically there's a middle ground in that, you know, he's not this all-conquering midfielder that maybe sometimes people make him out to be, and equally he's not this inept player who shouldn't be anywhere near Liverpool and should belong in a team battling for relegation. So basically the point was to say that i think mainly basically there's a stubbornness from both sides and i think the longer that this goes on with henderson every time he plays well his fans will praise him on social media and all over the place and go maybe go overboard about how pay, how well he's played to prove a point and then on the flip side if he just has an average 6 out of 10 game the people who don't rate him will go overboard the other way. And it's all just become a little bit tedious. And I think it, there's there's somewhere to meet in between, which is that he's a he is a good footballer because you cannot play for Liverpool, be their captain, play for England if you're not a good player. He's very useful to have around. And, you know, yes, he's not necessarily an absolute key man. But there's, without a doubt, you know, it's, it's important having him around.
0: OK, yeah, so we'll... Um We'll go straight to the discussion then and we'll kick off with your, your reaction, Leanne. So what was your thoughts on the article and then we'll go into your thoughts on Henderson in general.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think it's spot on. I think the argument that Henderson sort of brings out the divisive nature in all of us is it, completely correct. Um, I'm a big fan of Jordan Henderson. I think he's a really good footballer. And as Henry said there, you can't can't play for Liverpool, play for England and be a bad footballer. It's, it's just impossible. Um, I think he's just someone who suffers from the fact that Stephen Gerrard was Liverpool captain. He was such a big, big figure in terms of the club and what he did with the club and and leading right from the front and sort of coming up with these really, really important goals at crucial times, rallying the troops um, in games like Istanbul. And so Jordan Henderson coming in at a time where, you know, he, he came from Sunderland from a relatively big fee, 25 million, I think. And so a lot of people had had their doubts right then and they've never really settled. They always remember the fact that he came from Sunderland. Um, and this, this disappointment about that and, and maybe that we don't have someone like Stephen Jarrett in the team anymore is sort of just reverberated around, around Jordan Henderson rather than the fact that, I don't know, I, I think he's still very underappreciated in terms of what he does. And there's also the off the field play as well. He's really, really important in terms of what he does as a captain, not just what he does on the field. And yes, his role has been diminished this season because of the, um, introduction of Fabinho and, and Keita Cater and, and Jeannie Vinalden, who's having a good season so far, but I, I still think he's got a very, very big role to play, as, as Henry said there.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, for what it's worth, I, I, I just think it's kind of sums up where we're at the moment. That I went on a, you know, a podcast with Adam, who I love a lot, and we were really hope to get Adam on this week. But, you know, I went on a podcast with Adam about a week ago and said Henderson was not good, but not the only reason Liverpool were bad, and it just, it just kicked off, like, you know, I gave Henderson a 5 out of 10 and that was considered controversially high, which just kind of sums up the kind of the area we're at with Henderson where any sort of middle ground can be sort of explosive in the sense that it's so far to one side or the other. Um, Henry, I want to dig slightly into the Leicester game because I'm curious to get your thoughts on it. Obviously it's a topic that a lot of people have talked about to death, but I'm very curious just to quickly get your sort of impression on the game and Henderson's role in that, that, uh, lack of control in the
2: midfield. I thought, I thought without a doubt, I thought he had a poor game, especially as, as the game went. I thought, to be honest, I thought first half he was, would probably classify as fine, which is probably sort of six out of 10 territory. You know, Liverpool were better in the first half than they were in the second. I think he was as well. I think he, he used the ball relatively well without it ever being particularly eye catching or, or sort of influential. But I think he did, he was doing fine. But I think that second half, Liverpool started to fade. And I think he was certainly, one of the reasons to blame for that, and I think he, if there's an area of his game sometimes that is is his biggest weakness, which his biggest critics will say is is just that ability to maybe have that really top class positional sense and to control the midfield and not allow an opposition to get on top of you. So I think I would be critical. I, I was critical of him after that game, as I was uh, Milner and Wijnaldum. I thought they both got worse as the game went on, but I think therein lies the issue with me with Henderson is that. So, much, all the focus about that, so much of it, it was just all on Henderson. There was, there was nothing on, there was very little on Mil- Milner and I And mean, to be fair, Henderson, maybe he was the weakest of the three in that second half, but he's not the sole reason Liverpool were underperforming and potentially nearly threw the game away. But equally, you, it would be, I think it would be blinkered, and, and it would be me as a fan of Henderson. It would be me being stubborn to ignore the fact that he certainly didn't have his best game. So I think he certainly contributed to, to Liverpool nearly throwing away two points. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly I wouldn't say he was the sole reason for, for it. He deserves he deserves criticism without a doubt. But I think it's unfair that maybe certain people treated it like everyone else around him was was playing well and to their standard or above it, and he was just this one inept figure in the middle where everything fell apart. So without doubt. He was disappointing below par by his standards, but I think the team as a whole was barring maybe Gomez and and Van Dijk at the back.
0: Leanne, do you think that it's the case that in, in games like this, Henderson doesn't help himself? Or do you think it's the case that in a game like this where the team isn't playing well and because, you know, it's a lot of factors, obviously, the fact we played the first three games Relatively well, although I certainly think at the first half in particular against us, there wasn't a significant downgrade. But the fact that we turned in our worst performance of the season straight after Henderson was brought into the side, do you think that's sort of a, one of those things where it's a bit of a coincidence that gave the Hendo fans ammo, or do you think it was genuinely a case of bringing Henderson into the side was a mistake?
1: I think it was a, it was a bit of both, because I think obviously you're going to get ammunition when a, a substitute is, as in, there's, you know, Cato was left outside, Henderson came in, and a lot of people raised their eyebrows, they were like, why? Why are you meddling with a midfield who's got you maximum points so far and and performed relatively well? So, yeah, it, it did give ammunition to people who aren't necessarily fans of Jordan Henderson. Um, that being said, of course, as Henry pointed out there, he didn't have a good performance. Um, but I don't think, I don't think that's solely down to, to Jordan Henderson. I think collectively, us as a team, we, we dropped off against Leicester. We started the game well, we were dominant, and then things just kind of unraveled a little bit. Uh, Firmino got a really, really important goal on the cusp of half-time. But after that, it was really a spell of pressure from Leicester in the second half that, that had everyone worrying. And, and yeah, people point to the fact that Jordan Henderson in that sixth, it's kind of his role to to stop and, and relieve that pressure. But it's not just a one-man midfield. He's got teammates around him who weren't performing. People pointed out that Finalden was not at his best during that game, and so I think it's also an indication of the fact that Henderson does divide people so much.
0: You know my thoughts on this game. I've discussed <laughs> discussed them at length. Um. So um, if you uh, if we move away from sort of the the Leicester of it all, because I think that's kind of almost one thing that's kind of wrapping up the current debate on Henderson, where maybe it shouldn't, because if you actually look at Henderson's career, Liverpool's turned, in, you know, no one is going to sit here and say that this is a standard Henderson performance. It was clearly one of Henderson's worst performances in a Liverpool shirt. So if we look at um maybe the, maybe looking at Henderson as a whole. Um, Henry, how do you see Henderson featuring the season? Do you still see him being one of those players that is going to start the big games? Or do you see him being a player that maybe is rotated in and out? I mean, we saw Klopp manage his captain really, really well last year, I thought. Do you think that'll be something we see again this year?
1: Um, yeah,
2: I'd say so. I mean, assuming, obviously, he stays fit, which for me, that the biggest negative surrounding Henderson is his, is his fitness record. Is that You never quite know when he's going to... Break down and, and be out for a couple of months but <clears throat> without doubt there's, there's no there's no doubt that he's he's not a nailed on starter every week um the arrival of Fabino and uh, cater has made that even less likely um, so I mean the, the problem is you don't quite know who's going to come in and out of form but when it comes to those you know for argument's sake Liverpool are in the latter stage of the champions league in, in the spring and everyone's fit and everyone's at a similar Sort of level of form, then no, I wouldn't start Henderson. I think by that point you'd be expecting Fabinho to have, to have improved a lot as we saw with, with Chamberlain and, and Robertson last year. It took them a little while to get going and then they became key men and I think that will happen with him. Obviously Cater is going to walk into the team and then they, you've got that one other spot and for me he'd always be in contention for it because I think he can actually be more effective as that more box-to-box midfielder if Fabinho's the one sitting, but then equally you see the influence Milner's having at the moment. He almost feels undroppable, assuming his legs don't go later in the season. And when Alden's had a really good start to the season. So I think it will be a case of, as it will with all the midfielders, to be honest, Klopp will rotate. He'll, he'll be absolutely hell bent on, on keeping the freshness within the squad. So I think there's going to be some big games there where we'll see Henderson in the team. And I'm sure there'll be some sort of uproar when that happens. And then equally there'll be games when, when he doesn't start and, and that will apply, I think, with, with certainly Milner and Alden, and probably the other two at times as well. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I
0: mean, you look at Liverpool's run. We've, we've talked about this before, but, you know, our next seven games in the next three weeks are, you know, Spurs, Chelsea twice, Man City, Napoli, PSG. You know, you know Henderson's going to start at least one or two of those games. Yeah. It's just the way Henderson and Milner in particular, they're going to be the two that, that are not going to be able to play three games in a week. It's fine getting, you know, Milner's played four games out of four so far this season, but we've not had a single midweek game yet. We saw at the back end of last season, once the midweek games come in, that's when Klopp starts to rotate his midfielders. And I think we'll see we will see Genie van Alden, where we will see uh especially Henderson and Milner rotated in and out of that team. Um I I almost think we're getting past the point of having a first choice midfield, if that makes sense. I think you're right. It is a case of who's in form, who's in fitness. You know, if you would expect Cater to play the vast majority of games that he's fit, ditto Fabinho once he's up to speed. But really, you know, you're looking at potentially rotating four players for two spots or five players for three spots. You are going to need to use your squad. So the likes of Henderson are going to need to play a lot of games, whether people like it or not.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I I mean, and he showed, you know, I think sometimes he's labelled as someone that, you know, he's named in the team in a big game and there's sort of a collective sort of groan from the people who don't like him but I think you only have to look at you know the magnitude of the games Liverpool played in last season that he featured in a lot of them and he more than did himself justice in those games and you know never never looked like he was a level below those he came up against whether it was City or Roma and obviously the final was was a different story and I don't think anyone really performed to the best of their ability in that bar and maybe Mane. So, um, yeah, he's, he's proved that he can do it in the big game. And obviously, England in the summary showed it as well. So there shouldn't be any panic, but equally, I would totally understand why he'd be left on the substitutes bench.
0: I think the other thing is right now, people talk about Fabinho like he's ready to just sort of jump into that midfield and start performing at the top level. I, I think there's no evidence to suggest that he is going to be able to do that because. We know we know Klopp is keeping him out on the side for a reason, and we know that he has never played in a midfield three before. He's never played Klopp's sort of style of football before. So I think it is kind of naive to expect that Fabinho can just leap into the midfield and do a significantly better job than Henderson can in that six role. Um, that's what's interesting for me that so many people are quick to. And I it's mean, also, other, sorry, sorry.
1: On. Just to add to that, it's also interesting because Fabinho's come out himself and said he doesn't know the full system yet, and he's still getting to grips with it. So. I completely understand this desire to see him play. But when you've got someone like Jordan Henderson who who knows the role, okay, he didn't have a good performance against Leicester, but as we've said, other people didn't as well. And and yet there's not that talk about tracking them out of the team. So, again, it just comes back to this idea that Henderson is the divisive figure and and whether it's a case of just because he's not Steven Gerrard or because people genuinely believe that he's not a good footballer. uh, And that sort of raises the question of, well, why is he then got all these managers making him captain, Jurgen Klopp giving him a new contract. It, it doesn't add up. So it's it's interesting, as you said, to talk about Fabinho there because we all want to see him play. I think Fabinho will do very well, but but Jordan Henderson is not a bad player in the meantime.
0: Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with that. Completely agree. Um, I kind of want to move on to talk about the fitness issue because as we've talked about, you know, injuries are an issue with him at the moment and that is a problem. But do you think it's the case that over the last sort of, 12 months when we've had a more balanced field and we've got more quality options, Klopp can rotate Henderson a bit better. I mean, this is something that we've seen potentially with the likes of um, Oxlade-Chamberlain before he got injured. Um, but is it a case that Klopp maybe can rotate him a bit more?
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, Klopp's not stupid. He's you know he's been, he's given him a five-year deal, but he'll be he'll be well aware that fitness issues have surrounded Henderson for for quite a long time now, and um, you know he he knows he's not going to be playing him. It's going to be rare to see him three times in a week, I think, because he'll know that risk is there, that he's he's potentially going to break down again and, and you know, he's a, a key squad member is, is going to be out for a while. So it, I think certainly him and Milner stand out as two that I think he's going to... I'm not sure as the season progresses, I'm not sure you're going to see the two of them in the same midfield that often because I feel like it, it may become a case of being one or the other with one being rested and the other being in. Um so I think without a doubt that there's that depth available now where Klopp can afford to, you know, give him a game off or two games off in a row and keep him fresh for a more comfortable home game, maybe against someone in the league. So I think without question, and as you said earlier, I think this is going to be the case with all the midfielders. You're, it's going to be very rare that you just see that same midfield three for Even two games in a row, once the fixtures really come thick and fast, I think, I think some supporters are going to be surprised at at how often he does rotate and maybe at how, you know, they were, they were shocked enough to see Cater on the bench against Leicester. And I think as, as fantastic a player as he is and, and is going to be for Liverpool, I think there will be some surprises because I think he's not going to play every game. I think he'll be, there might even be big games that he's, he's left out of. So, um, but going back to Henderson, I think he he will definitely Klopp will be very careful with him. He'll be aware of what's happened in the past, and uh, he won't use him, him sparingly. But I think he'll just be intelligent with the way he uses him and give him the odd hour here and there, or the odd twenty minutes here and there, and just and just keep him ticking along.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I'm just having a look. I'm just looking now at the midfield that we sort of played in that period last season, where we had the sort of five lads who were all fit and in form and playing, and you can see very clearly that you know Klopp was rotating quite. Uh, Some weeks it was Milner, uh, Chan Ox. Some weeks it was Hendo Milner Ox. Some weeks it was Emre Genie Ox. Some weeks it was Hendo, um, Hendo Milner Chan. And then another week it would be Henderson Milner Vinaldom. So the mean, and then these are all weeks that I've plucked. I've just picked five random games in a row and I've just listed them there. And as you can see, there's five games there we've played four different midfields and that was in the Premier League sort of that period between January and March last year so I've just, you know, I've just, you know it indicates there that one Klopp has got five midfielders that he's happy and he thinks are all relatively interchangeable and he can rotate them and he's got Champions League games in midweek, he's not afraid just to go you know, and I think it's quite easy to manage players when you're doing that as well, that's the other thing because when you've got three players who are first choice and two are sat on the bench, the two on the bench are frustrated, whereas when you've got five players and you say to the lads If you're not, you know, if you're not playing against PSG midweek, it's because you're going to be playing against Chelsea at the weekend. Don't worry about it. You know, if you're not playing against Napoli, it's because I'm holding you back for City. You are going to get the big games. You don't need to think it's a case of you're not being picked for this game. It's just a case of we've got five players, three slots. I think you're all dead good. And there's a lot of um, and there's a lot of space in that midfield. Um, Leanne, before we move on, I want to sort of dip back Hendo. And uh, I mean, we'll talk about the contract in a minute because that's going to be the focus of Adam's article. But um what do you think his biggest sort of issue has been over the last couple of years? Because other than injuries, there is a reason why a lot of people are very anti-Hendo. So what do you think it is that sort of captures his weaknesses in his game that really elaborate these issues? Because, I mean, we can talk about Henderson's strengths and we can talk about his weaknesses. I'm just curious to see what you think sort of, you know, why is it that he's such a, divis- a divisive figure, other than obviously the Gerrard issues and the fact that he's been in and around this team for so long?
1: I think a lot of it is down to the fact that 2013, 14, when when he got that red card, he was such an influential figure in the team because he was sort of that box to box running midfielder who was sort of everywhere. Uh, you know, when we were going forward, he was there to support. When we were defending, he was there to to cover the ground. And yet this season and, and sort of ever since. He's been playing in that number six role, which doesn't really show off his, his best attributes, uh, which is why a lot of people, you know, point out he's not a number six. He can't offer the blanket to, to the defense that we need. And that's why it was so crucial to get someone like Fabinho in. And I think that change of position maybe hasn't helped him because it's, it's almost put a lock on what he can do going forward. It's put a lock on his energy. So yes, he's running around. Yes, he's still spraying passes and, and being influential in terms of his, his long-range um, cross-field balls, which sometimes worked to, to brilliant effect, but that energy, that verb that we saw in the driving runs from midfield uh, of that 2013-14 title run, where we got so close, um, you, you know, that that really showed his best best attributes, and we've not seen that in, in a long time now, which is probably why people think, you know, okay. We don't believe, or, you know, some people don't believe he should be in the team, but they also have or take issue with the fact that he's playing in a position that doesn't utilise his strengths and therefore not only makes him look worse than he is, but it makes the team suffer as well. So I think that's another stem of where the criticism comes from, um, which is really interesting because I've always said I, I prefer him in a box-to-box role, which is something that's now going to get more more and more competitive with the likes of Naby Keita coming in, who is... Is a class above, really. Um, but yeah, I don't think that change of position has necessarily helped him. I think he's been doing a, a job for the manager in many ways by sitting there. Uh, but because of his passing range, he's been able to do it sometimes to better effect than others. But but yeah, generally, just a, a divisive figure, probably because he, he came in with the big fears I mentioned earlier. People didn't think he was of the quality needed. He took a long time to settle in. Um, then he had that good good season in 13-14 and ever since playing in the number six role it's it's not quite worked out for him and Liverpool fans are seeking something more
0: what I would say about the um about the 6-8 thing is that throughout his tenure Klopp has never looked to buy a six right up until the point where we knew emre Chan was leaving um he's consistently gone out and looked for high quality number eights first it was Genie then it was Ox then it was Cater. Obviously, he already had Alana, but, you know, you can see Klopp has gone out of his way to try and find number eight or sort of attack or, sort of, you know, attacking midfield players. But until Emre left, he never went out of his way to try and find a six, which for me indicates he just he just sees Henderson as being a six now. And whether that is a fitness issue or whether that is a stylistic thing, I suppose we may never know truthfully. Um, But, Henry, what's your take on that then? Do you think that Henderson... Is is going to be the sixth this season at all for the foreseeable future, or do you think that it is the case that he still can and should be playing in the eight role?
2: Um, well, I think it's. I mean, it's, it's clear that by the looks of it, Fabinho has been brought in to be that first choice number six. I think unless Klopp does something bizarre, I think that's that's to be expected. So, and, and without doubt, Fabinho is an upgrade in that position. What I would say is, that I do I take issue with some of the general negativity about Henson in that role because don't get me wrong I'm well aware that there are issues in terms of positional sense he's not perfect in that role there are obviously better people out there but I I think he's there's been plenty of performances out there in that number six role where I think he's played really well and I think well and that's whether whether it's his use of the ball whether it's his positional sense whether it's his leadership just everything his, his game management I think he's shown plenty of times where he's, he's warranted a lot of praise. And I think it, it just stems back to, I think there's a, there's a bit of a snobbery towards Henderson that comes out, especially with that, you know, number six role is in a, in a world we live in now where with football manager and foreign players and, and everything, like that, he couldn't be more further from that. He's unfashionable. He looks a little bit awkward on the ball. He's got a bit of an awkward run. You know, he's, he's an England player. All, all that thrown in, I think works against him. And it's very easy to just sort of pick out little, Snippets where he's been caught out of position, but a lot of the good work that he's done, I still think gets ignored. And you know, at the end of the day, he played that role in a team that got to the Champions League final. He played that role in a team that got to the World Cup semi-final. Played really well in both of those campaigns. And going to the the box to box aspect of it, I prefer him there. Like Leanne, I think he's. I think he offers more. But possibly hasn't quite got the same. Dynamism that he, that he had in 13, 14 because of those injuries. But I think he can be a goal threat. I think he's, I think he's an excellent crosser of the ball. I think some of his end product doesn't get enough credit. So moving forward, I personally would prefer to see him use as that eight, not, not, obviously not week in, week out, but in that role. But equally, I expect Klopp to probably. I think he will probably use him more as a six when Fabinho is not playing. Um, that would be if my gut feeling, but he still sees him in that role more regularly, probably as a backup to Fabinho. OK, that's good.
0: So um, we'll move on now. And I think we'll talk about sort of Adam's article, which comes at the issue from a, from a completely different perspective, really. Which is um, he thinks that Henderson is very much, I'll sort of go, talk you through his article, which is called the Hendocalypse. Which is a really great title. It's about his contract, really. And he thinks that, um, he thinks that the idea of announcing a contract extension for Henderson when he announced it was a bit bizarre. He thinks that Henderson is one of those players who, because he's, you know, from the Rogers era, he falls into that sort of Lalana, Moreno, Loveran trope, whereby he just can't really, he doesn't really fit into this new Klopp system, this new Klopp side. Um, you know what you're going to get from him, but he's not the sort of player that really, you want in that side. He's obviously, he's more of a defensive, um, sort of safe option who's a bit boring. You know, he plays the passes, but he's not as good in the role as the likes of Shaka, Fernandinho, Kovacic, Jorginho, Fabinho. They all, they all have more in terms of going up the field. Um, combined with his, all his injury concerns, the fact that he doesn't really contribute to the attack. He's overpaid. He just wonders if all of that means that it's a bit of a weird sort of throwback to when we would pick players who weren't quite that good and yet they're still sort of big names for us so he just thinks it's very interesting and strange that you know a player who isn't who is almost like james milner but not james milner yet could be one of those players who it is suddenly announced as a big name new a big name new contract and it's a huge great big thing so i think it's really interesting um I'd, I'd be curious to get your take on the article henry before we dig into the the nuts and bolts of it
2: but yeah just your overall thoughts on the article first well, I thought the article was really interesting. It was very honest. You know, there was there was praise there, there was criticism. I thought it was it was really balanced. So a lot of the points he made were good. Uh, I'm not having the uh, I'm not having the jacket comparison though, because whatever people say about him, I think he's dreadful. But that might just be me. Um, but the other people that were mentioned, I I totally get that they are upgrades on on Henderson in that role. So um I think the um the the contract issue is uh, the biggest reason I can understand sort of trepidation towards it is the fitness aspect. To give a 28-year-old a who's had a, a, a past history of all sorts of injuries a, a five-year deal does seem a risk without a doubt. What I would say is that probably is maybe testament to what Klopp feels Henderson could be in the dressing room and that that influences captain, which I think is a, a massive part of what gets overlooked is the, the off-field stuff, how crucial figures like that can be. Um, but I, I totally understand that that element. So, um, in terms of you know whether he's a throwback to the Rodgers era, I mean I, I sort of feel like whether or not he's he's still good enough in that that number six role, he probably isn't. But I feel like he's evolved as a player since Klopp's arrived. So Klopp's been there for three years now, and I think he's a very different player to the one that was playing under Rodgers. So I don't I don't really go with the thing that he necessarily feels like you know a throwback who. Doesn't belong there because, to be honest, Klopp's as ruthless as they come. For all the, the hugs and all the smiles, he will get rid of someone that he doesn't think is good enough. And to give a, you know, to give someone a five-year deal would say the complete opposite of that. So I think, I, I, without doubt, I agree with a lot of the aspects of the article. But I think at the end of the day, I wouldn't compare him. I think it's, someone like Lallana now is much more of a worry, and it's shown with Moreno that he hasn't quite worked out. But I think Henderson's different; that he continues to look a key part of the squad certainly for the next two or three years and, and as long as he avoids those injuries but maybe once he hits his 30s you know then the issue might arise you know why did we give him x amount of money a week you know for for such a long-term deal when it was so obvious that an injury was going to happen but um i personally have no problems with it i think there are like i said off-field reasons for it as well as on field so um i understand it i understand both sides to see why people who Maybe don't like him as much as I do. Are, are frustrated and think it's needless. But equally, I think he's he's changed as a player under Klopp, and I still he has he's plenty to offer and continue to be a key part as as Liverpool try and obviously win the league and and just sort of dominate in Europe as well.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it's interesting really that a lot, that he's maybe seen as being sort of. I think the part of the problem is that I I agree with you. Part of the problem is that you know he's English, so it's very easy to compare him to the likes of Lallana and Sturridge, especially yeah. with his injury record. I think the fact he's a broad, I think the fact that he is a broad throwback again doesn't help because people associate him with those same players that Absolutely. You know, haven't come through. I think the thing is, if, if we, if for example, not to pick out anyone, not to like pick on anyone, but if he'd, if he'd been signed at say for 25 million when we signed Genie in that summer, everyone would say, well, and if he was, you know, a foreign player, everyone's saying, well, he's a foreign player that Klopp handpicked to play in this midfield. Yeah. And yes, his injury records are worry but you know, he's still a really good player. Whereas I don't think that's the case at all. I think, you know, yes, he was a player that was b- arrived before Klopp, but that doesn't mean that Klopp hasn't, ve- you know, vetted him. It's like you say, Klopp is not the sort of manager who ha- is just happy to let anyone walk into this team. I mean, you know, there's lots of bits floating around about what our team was for that first Klopp game against Spurs. How many of those players are still at this club? How many of those players are still starting regularly this club is the more salient point. And the fact yeah. is, it's because if you're not good enough, you will get cut out. That's that's been the case, and I think what Klopp's doing is he's replacing better players. And as I say, until Emery left, Klopp had absolutely zero interest in buying a number six, which for me just says it all about how he rates Henderson. Because he wouldn't, if he didn't think Henderson was good enough in the six, he would have bought one by now. He just would have done. There's no two ways about it. Definitely. Uh, so, no, I'm what,
2: curious... what, sorry, sorry to butt in. What I would no, say no, no. is, I, I think um I think Emery is actually a really good comparison to make because. Again, like Henderson, he, throughout his Liverpool career, he was divisive. I thought unfairly so, like, he could frustrate me, but I could also, there were times when he looked unplayable, and I thought he was, obviously, overall, the positives massively outweighed the negatives of him. But at the end of the day, he was a Rodgers player. You know, he wasn't signed by clock, but there was never that, Thing attached to him, you know, if he'd been there, if he was still there now, maybe that's because some people think he was performing at a much higher level to Henderson. I thought there wasn't a, a huge amount in it, but because he's foreign and, you know, he's a bit more of a fashionable player, I think that that was just never attached to him. If he was there now, I don't think anyone would be saying Emery Chan's a throwback to the Rogers era of, of 15, 16. I mean, admittedly, I might, I might have my years horribly wrong here, but I think he only had a year there, I think, under. Under Rogers, I think it was 2014 he arrived, wasn't it? I think, um, I might be wrong there, but I, I think there are comparisons to be drawn and I don't think you, you can put them both in the same boat. They're both Rogers players, both good players in my book, but I think if they were both there now, it would only be Henderson that you'd be getting the, the stuff said that, you know, he doesn't quite feel, he feels, he feels outdated. He feels a throwback. And I think that does go back to that maybe slightly anti English thing, which, you know, I think, I do think occurs. The other thing is, Henderson's a really good presser. Henderson is one of the most, is one of the best, pre- better pressers in this
0: team. Yeah. His pressing numbers are well up there, so it's not as if he can't fit a Klopp style either. Um, but I'm curious to get your thoughts about Genie in the number six role, because m- my take on this is that Genie's only playing in that, only played in that number six role at all, because Henderson wasn't fit yet and Fabinho wasn't ready. So I, I don't think we'll see Genie in the 6 at all this season, but do you think it could be the case that what Genie's done in this opening three games has shown that he's a better choice to play in the sixth than Henderson, should they need to rise?
2: um yeah i i I mean I would say he surprised me in that role i mean I think it was it i i think it was Roma was it or, or city was it city away I think in the Champions League he played there i think last season and um i think there are there are attributes he has in that role which are definitely superior to Henderson i think he's he seems his his sort of tactical awareness seems to be on a on a different level i think, and he's got that ability he doesn't he doesn't quite look as panicked on the ball at times he's a he, he uses it more crisply. And I think you've seen that, you've seen that in the opening four games. I think he's had more influence in that respect, but equally, I don't, I don't think he's perfect in that role. He'll be an option there this season. But like you say, I think Klopp will be, I think he'd be mainly looking at him once Fabinho's settled in and he very much becomes a regular. I think you're going to see Genie as one of those more box to box players, but it's, it's a positive that he's showing that he can play there and, and play really well there.
0: Yeah, it's just interesting because Adam sees it as you know Adam sees it as being wrong to sort of push Genie out of his preferred six role to just to sort of you know fit Henderson in there to sort of you know uh, just sort of uh, shoehorn Henderson into the team. Um, that's not something I agree with either. Um, and the other thing is, I mean, we've talked about Fabinho already, but do you think do you think the fact that Fabinho is in the team kind of makes this contract extension poorly timed because we've got a case of We've got a player who we're just giving a new five-year contract, but in in three weeks' time potentially he might not be a regular starter with Fabinho being the, the main man in that role.
2: Um, no, I don't. I don't think so because I think you have to be. We shouldn't be looking at it now as a first eleven thing. We shouldn't be looking at at contracts being signed as they're going to be a regular for the next five years. You know, I think Klopp's done that because he sees Henderson as a regular squad member for the, in that time, and I don't really think I, personally. I don't think the Henderson contract's has too much to do with Fabinho. I think everyone, most unless something goes drastically wrong with Fabinho, picks up a serious injury, fingers crossed he doesn't. But I think everyone knows he's going to mature into a really key player for Liverpool. He's going to be that first choice, number six, for the foreseeable future. And Henderson's going to be the one. He, he's not going to be as, as key. He's obviously an upgrade to him in that role. Um, so I think, I, I don't think people should be looking at it as, you know Klopp's tied him down to this new deal oh that means Henderson's going to be a regular from now on um or oh, that means that there are potential worries about Fabinho in the role i think i just don't think they go hand in hand i think they are they're very different i would expect uh with my crystal ball that he would Henderson's going to be the squad player moving forward and Fabinho will be the first choice and that that will work out and it will it will pay dividends Henderson signing this new deal
0: yeah i'm um- the other thing, I mean, I'm, I'm very curious to get your thoughts on the deal in general. Um, do you think it's a good move from Liverpool? Do you think it's uh, a potentially a strange move from Liverpool? I mean, I've seen a few people sort of saying there's no real benefits to this. I'm very curious to get your thoughts on that, because for me, it's sort of a bit of a something and nothing.
2: The the Henderson deal, that is. Yes, sorry, yeah, the Henderson sorry, deal. Um, yeah, no, I mean, pers- personally, obviously, everyone's different. I see it as a positive because, like I said, it's not just... Klopp, obviously wouldn't give a five-year deal to a player that he doesn't rate highly for starters. That's the, that's the most important thing. You know, I've seen, you know, people whose opinion I respect a lot and, and they're excellent. They, they say a lot of sense, but I've seen a few say, you know, oh, it's only, it's only been done for, you know, FFP reasons and to keep the English quota and all, all that stuff. But Klopp's ruthless and he, he's not just going to, Give his captain a new long-term deal if he thinks he's not good enough. So, um, for me, it's a it's a good deal. But equally, as I said, I wouldn't be shocked. My my biggest worry is that he gets an injury again, and in two years when he's thirty, he's he's become less of a player. There's three years still on his contract, and then that does sort of turn into a bit of Lallana type situation, which we've got at the moment, which is obviously far from ideal. So I totally understand why people are. are think that that is a risk without a doubt that's that's a risk but in in terms of his captaincy's leadership and and his quality as a footballer I don't see any negatives in keeping hold of him and that doesn't mean that he's going to be playing every week he shouldn't be playing every week and as the years go by and Liverpool hopefully get even better his role should become you know should be less and less uh, more and more frequently on the bench so um it's it's a risk in some respect but I don't think I don't see the kind of the toys being thrown at the pram from some people that happened when 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 your captain signs a five-year deal, I don't I don't quite get the negativity personally.
0: I mean, no, nor do I. I think it's very strange. Um, I think I think the thing is I can understand why some people sort of see it as a as struggling to see the positives in it because it is one of those things where you know he's already on quite he's already on quite decent wages. He's already got a decent contract. So you know you know a lot of people see the issue as being well, you know we're now contracting a player on very high wages right up until his mid-30s, which, as we've already seen with the likes of Adam Lalana, potentially someone even like Daniel Sturridge, it can be an issue if we want to then shift them on. But I think I think that kind of says more about the mindset of the people who don't like it than it does about Henderson himself, because I think it sort of suggests there are people who are thinking, you know, they want to see Henderson shifted out the door or they want to see Henderson shifted sooner rather than later, which means that, you know, for them, it's like, oh, well, now we've got to try and get rid of a player who's mediocre on high wages, which I don't think is... Um, a fair reflection of where Henderson is at, particularly when you consider his role in the squad. I mean, you look at Milner, for example, Milner's on, you know, we picked up Milner for 150k wages and people aren't batting an eyelid about that necessarily, Um which I think you know, different, just because Milner at the moment is in potentially slightly better form over the last yeah. three games, three, you know, three, four games. Whereas last season, if you'd said, was Milner significantly better than Henderson over the course of the entirety of last season, I'd have said
2: he was marginally better. I wouldn't yeah. have said he was, you know, 50k a week better. Of course not. No, no, definitely. I think at the end of the day, let's face it. I think it, it boils down to the fact that we're all, every football fan or most football fans, are stubborn, and we all have off. We all have people we like, and we all have people that we don't like as much. And so I think there's. It, it goes back to that stubbornness that I mentioned in the article. That I, I think whatever happened with that contract, that the people that aren't fans of him were always going to go that little bit overboard and make a point of saying, why are we, you know, why are we giving our 28 year old captain with a, you know, an injury prone captain, this contract. And I think the people that like him, were always going to be happy for him and feel that he can offer plenty. So I don't think, you know, the opinions were going to never really change either way, whatever happened there. And it's no surprise to see plenty of negativity about it. And maybe plenty of, maybe, you know, from my point of view, maybe I'm being overly positive about it and it's going to come back and, you know, bite me on the ass when he gets injured in October for three months and is a shadow of the player he was this time next year and it, and it's a disaster to have given him a contract, but I think you know I think it all it all comes down to personal opinion at the end of the day,
0: yeah, exactly. I'm curious to see what your thoughts are on this idea of Henderson in the next two, three years. Obviously, we've seen how Milner's reinvented himself past thirty. Do you see Henderson as being the sort of player who can feature prominently in this Liverpool squad once he gets to the other side of thirty? Or do you think that will very much depend on where we're at as a
2: club? Uh, yeah, I think it's probably two things. I think you're right. I think part of it will be where we are at as a club. And to be honest, I hope that in two or three years, when he's thirty, thirty-one, I hope he's not a regular. I really hope he's not a regular at all because that would probably suggest that Liverpool haven't gone forwards in that time. You know, I would like to think by that period, hopefully, we've been we've been champions by that point and we've won the Champions League. And you know, Klopp's at the absolute peak of his powers and at that, so obviously if Henderson's playing every week, then something's gone wrong. Um, so I think the second thing would be, as I, as I said before, it all boils down to the injuries for me. If someone said to me now, he's not going to get, he's going to be injury free for those next three years. I think he's a, everyone knows he's a real athlete and he looks after himself unbelievably well, probably as well as anyone in the squad, as well as Milner, uh, along with Milner. Then in that situation, if I knew he wasn't going to get injured, I would say, but in, in two or three years he will still be useful, whether that's as a six, whether that's as a, an eight, there will still be reason to have him around, and obviously his off the his off the field leadership as well. So I would I would expect him to still be going strong, but then equally it would be wrong to sort of rule out an injury considering how many have occurred. So um I think if he if he can stay fit and avoid something serious, then at the end of the day, 30-31 as a footballer is very, very different to what that was 10, 20, 30 years ago. No, it's very different. You look at Messi now, who's he's 31, he's pretty much as good as ever. And you look at Ronaldo, who's 33, and maybe not quite as good as ever, but he's still a an unbelievable footballer. So 30-31 is not 35, 36. So I think as long as his fitness stays intact, then without a doubt he can still be an important squad player, but certainly by that point, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be wanting to see him there regularly.
1: I think that that's the important thing to note as well. That Henderson's not going to be a player in in this team that's going to be featuring prominently within the next. Well, basically for the complete course of the season. Yes, we've got a, a number of games coming up in quick succession, but he's still going to be in and around the team, maybe playing you know fifteen, twenty minutes here or there, or coming in in the. Cup game against Chelsea. He is not a mainstay in this team, so that's actually a, a pretty big factor in terms of the reaction he's getting is way more than the amount of games he's actually playing.
0: It depends what you mean by mainstay, really. Like you could certainly make a case that he's as much of a mainstay in this team as Milner or Van going forward. We just don't know yet. That's the issue. Like yeah. you know, it, I think I think there's a as, as I've said, there's a you know there's a lot of assumptions about Fabinho and how he's going to come into this side. And the idea that Firmino is going to become the number six. And I mean, that's probably fair. On balance, he's probably the strongest six in our squad. But we just there isn't this evidence yet that he is going to dislodge Henderson in Klopp's favour once he is, you know, fully fit and firing. We, do, we don't know how how the midfield is going to shake up once we've got all of our options to choose from.
2: Yeah, to be honest, I'd I'd put I mean, I think you can actually bunch. Henderson, Milner and Ronaldo into sort of the same category because I think I like them all as players I think they're all good players I think they all have plenty to of offer still but I think they would um Milner and Ronaldo, would be exactly the same in two or three years in my mind It's that you know I think Ronaldo's 28 as well or certainly coming up to it Milner's 32 but I wouldn't want them to be certainly that you know mainstays or you know regulars at that point either so I think they're all useful footballers. They showed that by getting to the Champions League final as the, certainly the, the main three in those latter stages. So they can all remain useful, but they're all expendable. That's sort of the way I see it. They, they, they're squad players who will do well in big games when they're required. They'll do their job when they're picked, but they're they're not indispensable. And you would like to see superior players brought in as the years pass.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I completely agree. I mean, they're all players where if someone said to me, we're going to sell... One of those three in January, you're not thinking they're irreplaceable players. You're thinking, have we got enough bodies in the midfield to make up for that loss? Do you know what I mean? That was all the talk. All the talk. I mean, there was a lot of talk about Van Alden possibly leaving this summer. My reaction to that wasn't so much, I really want to keep Genie. It was more, I don't think we have enough bodies in that midfield to cover losing Genie without bringing in someone of of similar quality or, or better quality. So I think it's, I think it's as much, th- and that's, you know, that's no disrespect to any of them. I think they're all really good players. As I've said, I think I'm more, I like seeing them week in, week out. I've, I've praised me, and Jeannie and Milner quite a lot already this season. But I think, you know, they're not navigator in the sense that they're, you know, they're not sort of game changers in that midfield. No. And I think Liverpool as a club are improving to the point where players like Henderson are always going to be a part of, are always going to be an important part of the team. You know, Look at, for example, Jason Park at Manchester United. He was never a player who was sort of seen as being the highest class. But he was such an important part of that team because he worked so hard and because he did a really important job and because he filled out the team. And, you know, someone like you know, Sir Alex Ferguson would never have a bad word to say about someone like Jason Park. And likewise, you know, Henderson is a really, really important player for this club and rightfully so. But that doesn't mean that we can't replace him if we absolutely need to and I think that's kind of the sort of the middle ground you need to look at here rather than we should be replacing Henderson and rather than we we shouldn't be
2: replacing Henderson it's you know we we can replace Henderson that doesn't mean we should I think you're spot on and funnily enough I was actually going to use Ferguson as an example earlier and as much as I hate to praise him and and United you know he was a master at that and he had those players that you know, he he juggled, he rotated teams all. The time, whether it was his, his treble-winning team or the the one that won the Champions League, whenever that was, late 2000s, that he had so many players like Henderson, like Milner, but Parks, a classic example, I think. Darren Fletcher, I've always seen a likeness with Henderson because Darren Fletcher got a lot of stick because he was very unfashionable, but he was a player that his teammates really appreciated. I think Carrick, maybe to a lesser extent, I think he was more of a regular, but there were certainly others thrown in that that they would just do a job. You could always rely on them. And I think you're seeing that with, I think, I think Klopp has got that similar sort of quality that Ferguson had, that you're going to see these players who come in. They, like you say, they're not, they're not navigator. They're not, they're not world class midfielders, but they are useful players to have around that you, you don't want to get rid of them and risk bringing else, someone else in on a similar level who doesn't necessarily settle as quickly. And you end up actually regretting
1: letting them go. I think also a, a main point, which you both kind of touched on, is the fact that this idea that Klopp clearly trusts Jordan Henderson, it's not a player who he's keeping around and thinking, oh, you know, I've, I've been stuck with Hendo now, might as well just keep him. He, he kept him, he made the decision to keep him as club captain. A lot of people are saying, put Virgil van Dijk as captain, he's, he's sort of the mainstay in the defence, he is the pinnacle of this team now and, and he's the leader. And, and yet he's stuck with Jordan Henderson, uh, probably for morale reasons rather than rather than anything else. But, it, you know, he, he's comfortable with bringing Henderson on 15, 20-minute spells, starting games when, when rotation is needed, knowing that Jordan Henderson can do a job. And I don't think one poor performance against Leicester takes away from that or what Jordan Henderson can offer this side because, as we've said, he is still a very important part. I think for me personally, what I would like to see a little bit more of if he is coming off the bench or, or starting game is, uh, and we probably will see this when Fabinho is, is introduced into the team, if Fabinho is sitting as that six, maybe put Henderson just ahead of him. So that gives him a little bit more freedom to roam around, which we, which we saw in 13-14, which, as I think Henry agreed with me, that that was what I really liked to see from Jordan Henderson running box to box, yeah. offering something going forward as well as defensively, rather than having the shackles of protecting that back four, which isn't really in his nature, and therefore restricts his overall game.
0: I think it's interesting Adam compares Henderson to someone like Granite Xhaka, because I think, or even someone like Fernandinho, because I don't think Fernandinho offers. That much going forward, and when he does, it tends to be just because of the way City play. But you look at Shaka, for example. How often is Shaka caught out of position, being twenty yards too far up the pitch? And how yeah. often does it? Cost? I mean, you look at watch. Just watch Arsenal any
2: time when Shaka's playing; they get caught out so yeah. much. Yeah. So, because I, they don't I, have I, that balance. I, I think, um, as I, I think you can probably tell as I said earlier that I'm not Shaka's biggest fan. But I think he is a. Uh,
0: He's an absolute
2: fraud. He's a, fraud. Fraud. That's he's a, he's, a, he's a fraud. He, he has got, he's got a lovely left foot. He's got a, he's got a good long shot on him and he plays the same sort of opening the body up past out, out wide, f back. As time and time again, he'll, he'll be able to do that when he's 70. But he, I think he is someone that probably gets less criticism because he arrived for, he got right for a lot of money, quite a fashionable signing. But like you say, I've seen so many Arsenal goals where he is at fault, where had it been Henderson, I dread to think what the reaction has been. Now, of course, there have been times where I'm sure videos have emerged online where you can, without doubt, pick out moments where Henderson switched off. And he's not, he's not Sergio Busquets in that role. He's not immaculate when it comes to reading, reading the play. But someone like Jacker, for me, is, is far inferior in that role. As an all-round player, he hasn't got Henderson's legs. He hasn't got, I don't think he's an intelligent player. Um, I don't think he's as consistent. And, um, so I've I've never sort of understood that. That was one of the main things I actually, um, disagreed with Adam's article, just the mention of him, because I'm sure there might be some statistics out there that maybe suggest he, he does affect play going forward more, which is fair enough. But as an overall player and overall influence, I think he's a, he's a weakness for Arsenal. I think a, a lot of the time Henderson is a, is a strength more than he's a weakness without a doubt.
0: Yeah, I, I just think it's about balance, and I can understand how for some people we don't look as balanced with Henderson inside, the yeah, side because to an absolutely. extent, because to an extent he does take something away from the from the attacking. But there also there are games where it goes the other way. There are games where we need Henderson to provide some balance in that midfield, um, and he does tend to slow things down a bit. And sometimes I, I, slowing slowing things down a bit is not necessarily a bad thing. No, of course,
2: thing. of course not. I, I think, I think people seem to think that, you, you know, you think of any great, I think well, Fabinho being a classic example. Now he's, a, he's a brilliant player and he is going to be, I'm hoping and should, will be, in my opinion, a superb signing. He's going to, I mean, he's, he's, he's up there now, but I think he will mature into one of the best number sixes in Europe in the next few years. But I think, you know, people, people might get a bit of a shock to the system when he plays a few safe passes and, you know, it's not, I think people seem to think that, it's an absolute crime for a number six to play a few safe passes and play it backwards. Of course, breaking the lines is, is crucial being able to pick a pass. And that's something that, you know, Busquets is the absolute best at in my book. But I think, I, I think it's a lot of the times, oh, Henderson only passes it backwards or what's he actually doing? But I think you can look at any of these players that have been mentioned and, and the top players. they're They're not just, they're not just picking out defense splitting passes time after time. They're patient. They don't take too many risks a lot of the time. So um it's another thing, it's another gripe that I have, is that A, I think he's better on the ball, for starters, than the people suggest. His, his range of passing is far better. Yes, it's not. He does panic a bit, I think, when he gets pressed. I think that he shows a weakness then. But equally, I, th- I think he's he's superior. to so a lot of people make out, maybe because of that that slight awkwardness that he has. He doesn't look the most classy player on the ball, and that can sometimes come across as as looking a bit ugly and... And his passes maybe don't get the, the praise they deserve.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Um, so we'll move on then. And I think we've pretty much covered everything we wanted to cover in this topic. We've talked a lot about Jordan Henderson. Um, <laughs> and, that, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. He's the club captain for a reason. And, I mean, I just want to round off by saying that I'm a big fan of his. I mean, I know I know it's it is fashionable to... To, to, you know, slate him. And I, I don't think he's a perfect player. And I'm happy to sort of say, you know, he's had a bad game here, he's had a bad game there. And often there's been times where I've had to criticise him. But I do say, I am a fan of him overall. And I, I do want to see more games with him as a team. And here's the thing. I was very pro him being in that side against Leicester, I thought he really stabilised our midfield, obviously before the game. Mm. But I don't, I don't, I don't think I want to be having a season where every time Henderson's on the starting, starting pitch, I have to deal with people moaning about it. That's the thing. That's, yes. that's sort of, I think that's just not fair.
2: Definitely, yeah. And can, can I just say one thing? Just, I, I won't, I, quick, I won't ramble on up. Very, very quickly. Is just, just to get. I mean, I think everyone, anyone who follows me on Twitter, I think seems, and it's sometimes hard to get your points across on social media. I think everyone seems to think that I'm this Henderson fanboy who thinks he's the best thing since sliced bread and all that. But what I would say, just to finish up, I just think I know he's he's far from perfect. He's limited in certain aspects of his play, but I think he's also very misunderstood. Underrated by a lot of people, so I think, that, like my article said, there's a middle ground with him. He's a good player, he's not a great one, and he's he's not an inept one.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Um, so is there anything that you want to plug, Henry, before we finish up? Uh, not specifically.
2: I think if you basically if you go to my this is Anfield page, you just said that this dot com, my author page will be on there. So basically. There's regular opinion pieces and news stories and everything else you want to read. So, no, apart from that, give me a follow on Twitter if you want to listen to me ramble on and defend Henderson every day of the week. Then, uh, then Henry Jackson, uh, 87 is my Twitter handle. So, yeah, that's about it, really. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think Henry says a lot of sense on Twitter, but that, that might just be Thank me. You. Um,
0: yeah. Um, so I'm going to plug for Leanne because she's had to vanish off slightly early. Um, she's got an article out at the moment from Joe Gomez about how he's, Come back from his Achilles heel injuries and his cruciate ligaments to become a really important player in this Liverpool first team. So I think that's well worth a read. And I'm also going to plug uh, this show because that's sort of the main one for me. I really enjoy doing the show. Leanne really enjoys doing the show, and it's great to get guests on like Henry, who clearly you know put a lot of thought into what they're reading and then what they're talking about.
2: Just so, to yeah. say, I've, I don't want to get in trouble with gags because I've just completely forgotten. I have also got a piece coming out, I think, tomorrow. On the importance of the Spurs game on Saturday and how the, the performance level needs to be upped and how a defeat and a bad performance combined could cause a little bit of uh, a little bit of a mini meltdown so I'll, I'll plug that as well because I don't want to get in trouble with the boss Good call. Um, I'm, very, <laughs> I'm actually curious
0: to see how that goes the Spurs game um, yeah. yeah so we will be back next week um Leanne and I that is uh, I don't, I don't I don't know whether Henry's joining us yet but I'm gonna going <laughs> probably won't um, we'll see what happens. yeah, we'll see what happens um, but thank you very very much for listening. And we will see you next week.
2: Sports Social Podcast Network.